Welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Elder Scrolls Legends. This episode is sponsored by Team Rankstar and Inked Gaming. Visit TeamRankstar.com for all the latest Tesla news, and visit Inked Gaming and use the code TRS12 to get 12% off your next order of customized gaming gear. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Elder Scrolls Legends. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Lutz, and with me I have our other host, Dead Broke Nerd. Uh, DBN, how are you doing tonight, man? Man, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. It's been a long day, but I was looking forward to this all day long, uh, all weekend long. So happy to be here hanging out with you, man. Thanks. Yeah, you put a new Myth Card video out today, right? I certainly did, actually, and uh, I'm... It's pretty exciting. Uh, by the time I'll probably announce it on my channel before uh, this goes out, but yeah, I actually was accepted as a Mythgard uh, content partner. So oh really? They are, yeah. So they're with going TRS. To, uh, no, Mythgard itself actually is a with partner. With Mythgard itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh wow, that's exciting. That's exciting. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, they kind of will do. Uh, I, they gave me some extra packs to get my collection started so I can kind of display more things on my channel and showcase more decks and stuff like that. Um, they also kind of, you get like a special card back, you get uh, some, uh, you know, doodads and stuff like that. But what's coolest about it really is they supply you with pack codes to give to your community, stuff like that. And uh, you actually get to participate in a, um, a monthly kind of partner meeting with the devs so that you guys, you know, they can all voice opinions and stuff like that. It's really neat. I don't know much about it. I just got into it literally yesterday. So I'm excited oh, wow. and it's cool. And it, I was going to make Mythgard videos anyways. So, so uh, yeah. Yeah. I might as well make it for that purpose. That's, that's really exciting. That's awesome stuff. Yeah. It's cool, man. It's definitely cool to, uh, to kind of get that little bit of acknowledgement, uh, which is, which is really, really it's really cool. Like they're they're very uh, uh, thoughtful about how they engage with their content creators. So that's neat to see. But uh, but this isn't a Mythgard podcast. There is one of those. The Boneyard. TRS the bo- puts out the Boneyard. It's actually really good. The Boneyard is a Mythgard. Mythgard. Okay. Well, if you play Myth, you know, I checked it out. Like I I tried to I tried to check it out. Like I was gonna go download it. I was gonna. It was <laughs> I was like I can only do like I can only do one game. Like I can't do. Dude, I just can't I, do that. I can't do two games right now. Dude, I feel you like right now is uh so I've got obviously Tesla, I mean, which comes first, uh and and for me. Uh and there's this new set coming out, uh Jaws of Bolivia, in case you guys haven't heard. Uh but uh there's also the new Gwent set, and I Gwent is kind of my wind down chill game in the evenings before going to bed. I play like three games, you know. Um that's got a new set coming out, so I'm like, okay, man, I should get that. And then uh, Apex Legends, which I play with my friends, you know, that's kind of my kind of i get to play that with with buddies and stay in contact with them that new season's coming out today and then destiny 2 has a new set and i'm like i can't even i'm not even gonna try to play destiny i'm just like i love destiny 2 i'm gonna have to wait a month before diving into that expansion i just do not have time there's all these games that are so cool and i want to play them all yeah Ah. man. well you know what i actually say this pretty often but every game that comes out now is a lifestyle game 
right? Do you understand what yeah. I mean? So like, so like every game, like their goal is, is that you will play their game and then they, like everyone wants, like they make enough content for every game that this could be the only game that you play, right? And that's hard. Like that's hard because that means that like instead of being a general gamer that like you used to just be able to like, go to the game store, pick up a game, bring it home. A couple weeks later, you'd beat it, go back to the game store, buy a new game. And now it's like there's very few, I think, popular games that sort of do that. Like you buy the game, you play it for X hours, you beat the game, you're done with the game. Nintendo runs some games like that. And I would venture to say that I think even like Assassin's Creed series is still kind of similar to that. Like they they try to get their hand in like the in the lifestyle game genre whenever they did like um, I don't know, like the French War or whatever, the French Revolution. Um, I can't even remember. Unity, I think it was. Like you had this oh, online yeah. multiplayer afterwards. It was just awful. But um, like every game is sort of like a lifestyle game. Like you want to do daily yeah. quests in it and you want to – you got to be in it every day in order to keep up. And if you play more than like two games like that, how are you ever going to have enough time to keep up? Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. Like the Assassin's Creed IP I never really got into, but I know what you're talking about. Like the last game I – I bought that was actually like I played it and then I was like cool I beat it and maybe I'll come back and replay it because I do that sometimes single player games I'll replay like I've replayed Bloodborne I played Bloodborne three times through I really like that game but like yeah, it's not like, something I need to log in on or anything you know sure like I played Breath of the Wild a couple times the whole way through because that yeah. game is freaking incredible but that's not a lifestyle game like you get no, done yeah. with it and it's it's over and then have you don't you, have to play it anymore have you ever 100%ed a game like uh like all the achievements and trophies and all that stuff. Yeah, so like I would like Assassin's Creed was kind of like that that is one of the games that got me into gaming. I I really love open world games. I really love RPGs. Um and I came close to like as 100%ing Skyrim as you can get, right? Like mm-hmm. is is close to wh- whatever that means in Skyrim. Um, I came really close to that. Um, I, I have hundred percent in like multiple Assassin's Creed games, but like, right. Like that's, that's an itch for me. Like when I game, I'm a completionist. Like mm-hmm. I love seeing boxes checked off. Like even, <laughs> even in like my day to day life, like I keep a schedule and like a planner because if I don't, I'll forget everything and I'll get fired. So I like, I keep a schedule and a planner and like, I, 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 I sometimes I'll like complete a task and I'll write it in my planner after it's finished just so I could check the box right yeah. like, and so there's something about like i don't even really care so much about the assassin's creed ip anymore as much as i just cared about like they do such a good job at at itching that completionist itch that's like it's just like perfect like it's so satisfying oh, dude. I, I, just, yeah. I just collected all of the treasure chests in this region and i just collected all of this there's like so much of that game that that I really enjoy for that reason. That being said, like I I own and I have owned for like well over a year, a year and a half, almost two years. The latest Assassin's Creed, haven't played it more than like ten minutes, so yeah. ten or fifteen. So like I, I I'm you know whatever. Obviously the card games don't necessarily itch the completionist itch for me because I don't collect every card. So and I I just had to be more selective in this stage of my life of how many games that I've played. That's fair. That's fair. I've I've only ever. 100% in three games. And it was uh, Batman Arkham Asylum. Oh, yeah, dude, that the game first is so good. I hunted down every single Riddler trophy and sound, oh. like, uh, 
Amadeus Arkham sound file and all. I hunted down every single one. I think I actually played the third version of that. I don't know that I played the first two the whole way through, but I played the third one, I think. There's That's three. Like, there's a trilogy. I think it's three or f- I think there's a fourth one, actually. Okay. Uh, like I definitely played the third one. Whatever but, one yeah. you could like glide around the city. In yeah, yeah, time. yeah. That was two and three. You could do that. And then I think there's so a fourth three. one. They were all good. They are. They, they were. That's just really a good, good brand, and Batman's just a great iconic, uh, you know, uh, product. But yeah, and actually, the other ones that I 100%ed was uh, one of them was Lego Batman for PlayStation Ooh. Two. I 100%ed that. Really? And then, Lego. Yeah. That's not an easy game to 100% either. Like, there's a lot no. of hidden things in that game. There was, and I was oh. like, I'm gonna get them all. I, I, uh, uh, and then Plants vs Zombies. I got every okay. trophy and achievement on that one. Oh. I tough. wanted. I wanted to do that really bad with Breath of the Wild, but like these little seeds that you have. You played Breath of the Wild at all? I have not. Okay, so there's these little seeds. So like the the map in Breath of the Wild is 11 times the size of Skyrim's map. Mm. Uh, that's what they say. And there's these little seeds that you have to find. And if you find a certain amount of them, you can turn them in and expand your inventory size and stuff. Well, there's like 900 tiny puzzles around the map for these little oh, seeds. Oh, no. So like I 100%ed everything, I think, except for like that. Like I completed the quest. I did all the shrines. I completed the game. I got all the gear. I upgraded everything. But I just didn't do that. Like I just couldn't bring myself to hunt down 900 seeds it was insane it, it, it's just the game is so incredible right yeah there, there's so much about it that's just exploration but all of that to say in elder scrolls legends um uh, this, <laughs> this week in elder scrolls legends for me um right i had a kid this month so i thought that meant i'd play more elder scrolls legends and then i played less elder scrolls legends and more fire emblem three houses um so i didn't have a lot of time to play legends and i didn't get a lot done and i was sitting at rank two and if i had sat at rank two last month i wouldn't have cared because if you gave me two of salty's crack bag i wouldn't have cared about it (laughs) but um but this is trickster mage and so last night i played my um uh uh my dominion um my dominion like control dragon deck and i was sitting at the like the snake of rank two and um 45 minutes before the rollover i hit rank one last night um and i got my third copy of trickster mage so i'll take it i'm happy with it um, but the latter is now riddled, polluted by um, Agro Assassin. There's a lot of Agro Assassin right now. Yeah, yeah, no. I got, I was at rank one. And I just didn't bother to hit Legend. I don't know. I like my motivation for laddering is pretty much shot. I'm gonna hit at least one Legend if I can do it naturally. But it's like I'm never gonna play a top tier deck on ladder because at this point because i just there's no there's no tournament to prep for like there's no tournament to like for me to want to either for casting or playing for me to want to put any effort into because like when i mean when i was casting master series i was grinding like meta decks because i wanted to be able to lend some knowledge to it Mm -hmm. i don't have a reason to do that right now so i'm not going to instead i'm just going to meme around and make decks with neon green sleeves and we're just going to have a good old time like that you know (laughs) what i mean I mean, that's what I just do every time I stream is just make something weird and play with it, you know, and that's what I like to do right now. Um, that's what gets me interested. Like today we made um, um, Alter Dominion with Chanter of Akatosh and um, Conscription. 
Chanter Vakatosh is the card that when you play a spell, it summons a creature from your deck of the same cost as the spell yes. that you cast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so we were doing that with uh, Journey to Sovngarde. Uh, so basically, just just ultra thinning. Just... Yeah, ultra thinning the deck. Like like Chanter pulls things from the deck. Altar pulls things from the deck. Conscription pulls a lot of things from the deck. Journey, etc. Win the game. In theory. Um, you know, really, the Chanter doesn't need to be in there, but that's where we started. We're like, let's see what we can do with Chanter Akatosh. And so we just kept kept with it. It didn't do bad, actually. Um, but uh, And actually, today I had a hilarious game where I played the greediest of tribunals. I mean, like, Mark, this dude had, like, nine nine drops. It was nuts. Like, it, it's like, you, <laughs> this guy clearly is okay with just conceding to aggro. Like, just, it was just that auto concedes. Dude, dude, like, we, so we both passed for five, the first five turns oh my gosh like not because i didn't have something to play but because i was like well i have three i have like a, two fighters guild recruits and like a you know some removal i'm like I, he's playing nothing i'm super reactive i'm like maximum reactive strategy uh-huh, here yeah uh-huh. you know uh, it's, and, he, and then he played nothing and it worked out great because dude had night talon lords mirax odaving parthenax Blood Magic Lord. I mean, literally, name a high cost card in Tribunal Colors, and he had it. Uh, triple Soul Tears, etc. It gets to the end of the game, man. And uh, I had played Mirac, uh, and I basically was trying to set up this big board. Dude goes, uh, had gone Parthenax, uh, played Parthenax, uh, and then Knight remembered Parthenax to get six shouts in hand. Is that nice of him? Yeah. Uh, yeah, not cool. Um, but I have this huge board ready to go, like, and so, uh, and but he played, he had played Vivek, and so I had run out of removal. I played all my jabs, I've played all my fighters go recruits, I played all my finish offs. Like my deck has already, this is post journey, this is post journey. I'm drawing After six journey, sixes. I'm drawing guaranteed six sixes, okay, like at minimum. I had an eleven eight Queen Baron Zaya, okay. Oh my gosh. I'm like, this is, I got this for sure. Dude goes, um. Uh, the shout, the Fusradash shout, uh, unrelenting force on uh on my guard, unrelenting force on my other one, and then so now he's removed both my guards. Dude had like you know no cards beside these shouts, so now he has lethal, and I'm like ah good game man, all right okay you know he doesn't stop there. No, he proceeds to empty his hand of all of his shouts, removing every other card on my board before swinging face. I mean that's some high quality BMing, but. Yes. Dude hits a prophecy. It's a fighter's guild recruit. I I I forgotten I, there was a fighter's guild recruit left in my deck that I generated somehow. Played the fighter's guild recruit. Journey or something. Yeah, sure. I don't know. He 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 he, has, he loses lethal. He has to run his Parthenax into my fighter's guild recruit because he spent all his removal BMing me. <laughs> and this dude's at negative seven with Vivek out. I have nothing on the board. I'm like, all right, well I'm gonna lose next turn. I have no way to kill Vivek. I top deck. The Manticora that oh I had, gosh. the Manticora that I had pulled from Balmora Spymaster 20 minutes ago. This was a 40-minute-long match, oh my gosh. and that had then shuffled into my deck with Journey and win the game. This oh. dude lost because he couldn't stop himself from BMing. It was oh. amazing. 
Oh, that's a fantastic. That's a fantastic game. That's a that's a that's a that's a that's a game worth remembering right there. That's a great crazy game story. You can't make this stuff up, man. Holy yeah. crap. Well, hey man, that's some of the things that Legends lets happen. I mean, they have some there's some late game in Legends that just allows the game to keep going and going and going. You know, I had a game the other day I was playing against um Dragon a, a Dragon Archer deck. And, and I mean, he just he just looked up the word dragon. He crafted every one of them. Then he put he put all of them in the deck, right? And I got to the point where I was like, I think I have him beat. Like I think I have him beat. He had like he had like one or two cards in his hand, and like he had played Parthenax and had like a shout left, right? And I was like, I, I think I have him beat. I think we're good. We're on like he has like twelve mana. And on his next turn, like, he plays his top deck, which is the stupid lookout scout or whatever that lets him draw a card if he has a dragon. He plays the other card in his hand, which was another stupid lookout scout that lets him draw if he has a dragon. Then he plays, like, the other card that was, like, the third card that he – he had two cards in his hand, top decked one, which is a tiny Dargan. And he hits my board for one, <laughs> draws two cards, plays two more freaking dragons, completely refills his hand. I won that game, and when I won that game, he had two cards in his hand – one card in his deck oh my god that is the closest that i have ever come he ran through calgranteed and all three of my dragon summit off of calgranteed like it like i won because i was playing tri-keller and i had more cards in my deck than him it's the only reason that i won and like i i pulled it off at the end but like he knew he was going to lose he surrendered he didn't have any cards left in his deck to to even be able to play to compete i don't even know what his last card was but it was just like it was a crazy and i was just waiting because like he ran everything except for alduin like every dragon except alduin in his deck or alduin was his last card i'm i'm not sure but it was a really crazy game and then i got inspired right so this is this is my upcoming week i got inspired because i played against one of those support um uh, monks the support monk that mm-hmm. summons the familiars and gains health the conjure just, spirit yeah the conjure spirit i just really like it i think it's super cool and i was like I'm, i want to go play skeletons i love skeletons i want to play the skeleton cards and so i had this sorcerer skeleton deck and i was running training grounds in it with all skeletons basically except mm-hmm. for the new legendary from moons of elsewhere but summons a bunch of skeletons and gets plus attack from skeletons and so in that deck's really it's, it's a ton of fun like if you're not playing against anything that's aggressive like it can put up so many boards because of of bone daddies it's a ton of fun to play and i was playing it with the other support in the deck um from blue which is the corsair ship card that gives a a dagger to everything so sometimes i was literally dropping bone daddies and my bone daddies were dropping five fours like three five fours um because of training grounds and this stuff and like it was super super fun it inspired me to say okay is there any way to combine what we've what i see here with skeletons in the synergies, because skeletons all buff each other. That's kind of their synergy. And mm-hmm. can I combine that with the support in, in creature generation and stuff from yellow that we find in monk? And so I've come up with a tribunal deck that runs Necromancer's Amulet and a ton of skeletons for cannon fodder so that you can use Necromancer's Amulet to consistently summon stuff from Conjurer's Spirit. And then instead of running Training Grounds, you run... Um, the one that gives everything in your on your board plus one plus one fervor fervor and then you run your your necromancers and stuff so that you can so it's it's going to be like a lot of the supports that you see in the support monk combined with instead of the lunar cards you play 
of the skeleton cards and you play it in a 75 card deck with some of the yellow removal, yellow and purple removal. It's, it's not going to be good, but it's going to be fun. It's not going to be good. Yeah. It'll be really sweet. I think a little Jamie looked at it and uh, you know, I don't, I don't understand internet lingo because I'm 31 years old and I had to like, (laughs) I had to ask him like, Hey man, you sent me this face, but I don't I don't know what this face is. It turns out the face was sarcasm because it has like twice as many four drops as it does two drops, which evidently isn't a good curve, quote unquote. Um, but <laughs> but I need to work on it a little bit. But I'm excited, and there's a new card in Jaws of Oblivion that's coming out that I definitely uh, am excited for. That's a new skeleton card that I want to talk about today. Oh okay, um, I, I must sure. not have seen this one yet. Yeah, he's the one that summons other skeletons, and I definitely. Ooh. He's a skeleton necromancer that summons skeletons. I'm excited about him. Um, so, but let's talk. Let's talk Jaws of Oblivion, man, because um, the set is coming out in a week. Okay, and when this show comes out, we're only like three or four days away. There's a ton of cards that have been revealed. We're not going to get to review them all today, but we're going to review some of the ones that we want to. But let's talk about the invade mechanic first, because we talked about invade last week. We didn't get it right. I think you got it pretty close though. Uh, I think that you were pretty close to invade. I, mine was predicted I it was going to be like a support. Yours, I think, was actually board centric. So why don't you tell us? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about invade? Do you have that pulled up? I should have. Yeah, I do. Prepared you. Yeah, tell us about invade. Yeah. So whenever you play uh, invade, anything that says invade, uh, if you don't have one, you get an oblivion gate. Um, and then every time you play invade after that, you level up your oblivion gate. Okay. So it's a zero four. Um, at, at level one, it's a zero four creature, um, and then every level after that, it gets an additional two defense. Okay, so at level three, it's a zero eight. Okay, um, <clears throat> so at each level, it has a different effect, which will impact your danger. It is also immune to silence, and it is permanently shackled. Um, so. You know, it'll be fun to put a Ring of Imaginary Might and then play uh, Dress Renegade. But anyways, uh, yes. that's, that's enough of that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, at, at level one, uh, whenever you summon a Daedra, it gets an additional health. At level two, whenever you summon a Daedra, it gets plus one, plus one. At level three, whenever you summon a Daedra, it gets plus one, plus one. And your Daedra costs one less to summon. At Which level is four, really strong. Like yeah, that's, really, that's really the strong part. You know, uh, well, we can talk about that. We can talk about that, whether it's strong or not, in a, sec- in a second. But yeah, uh, level four, it does both of those things and also gets a random keyword. And level five, it does all of those things uh, and it's two random keywords. Mm-hmm. So, so at level five, it caps out. Um, it will give uh, plus one, plus one. Daedra, you summon cost one less. Whenever you summon Daedra, give it two random keywords. After level five, your Oblivion Gate continues to gain two health. And grants your Daedra an additional random keyword. So I suppose it can just keep being leveled up, and eventually you could give a million keywords. Yeah, so you could give, like, if if it keeps being leveled up, you would summon a a Daedra. Your Daedra would cost one less. It would give them plus one, plus one. And it would come out warded, lethal, guard, Mm -hmm. um, rally. uh, Charge. Charge. Oh, my gosh. It's ready for those charged dark seducers that cost seven. Oh, my gosh. Charge? Oh, yeah. that makes me that make me feel a little sick in my stomach. It makes me feel a little <laughs> sick in my stomach. Charge. Um Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the one we care about here. That that's the one that we care about here. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh my. That and Ward, uh, you know, like oh, and Drain, you could get Drain. So the, the, you know, the, I think that you could take this thing up to what level? Like I don't know, eight or nine, probably yeah. maybe ten. Ten before you like maxed it out, and it would be like a if you had plus. Uh, if you can get this thing to level eight, you're winning the game. If you can get this thing yes. to level five, you're probably winning the game. Like, yeah, it, I mean, yes. Yeah. I mean, plus danger costs one less. They get plus one, plus one, and you give them two random keywords at level five. That's just, it's just done. Yeah, it's just done. Yeah, yeah. And there's some, of course, obviously, there's a lot of cards that interact with invade, and of course, it's not just. Oh, like it, there are certain cards that say invade and they do nothing else. There's lots of cards that say invade and then they do, they do other things that are are strong. I will say a lot of the cards that do have invade seem to be statistically a little bit weaker than maybe what their counterparts without that keyword would have. Um, but it is still pretty strong and we're going to talk about some of this. So your first impressions of invade. I mean, I I know for me, I, just, I, I do just think it's cool. I think it's really cool. I think the artwork's cool. I think the concept is really cool. I don't know how good it is. I don't know how overpowered it is. I don't know how I'm going to feel about it in another week or so. Um, but I think it's cool. I, I I don't know. I like the idea of summoning the gate on the board. Uh, yeah. So it does it does answer a certain question. So I so last week neither of us were right about what we were guessing it was going to be. Uh, but I mean, we were both kind of on the idea that like you get it, you know, we get an oblivion. I was thinking it might be a lane effect, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, a creature makes a lot more sense because it's a little easier to interact with. Um, I guess the thing is, right? Like you, you know, you blow up an oblivion gate, you close the oblivion gate. I mean, isn't that basically the plot of Elder Scrolls Oblivion? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't really play the main campaign in that one, but um, you know, I think that what's interesting here is it's board-centric. And ultimately, that's what I care about, right? Because I think that what we want in a new mechanic is for it to be very heavy on the board influence, okay? It doesn't, you know, kill enemy creatures. It doesn't, you know, uh, screw around with shackles or anything like that. All it does is say, I'm buffing my things. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. I, and I like that because it's safe. And because it at least is going to force interaction. The thing about the Oblivion Gate is you can't ignore it. Uh, no. I mean, if you're if you're aggro, you can ignore it. But if you're not aggro, uh, I I think that it's a I think it's going to be a little slow um, to get going. So I think that like obviously like if you're aggro and you're winning a lane, a specifically field lane, you could probably stand to ignore it uh, because you could probably uh, win the game before it really gets to the scary things, which is level three and on. Um, the other thing I yes. think about it is that I don't know how good it's going to be. And the reason why is against any mid-range or any control, they're just going to easily blow up your Oblivion Gates of Executes. I mean, seriously, Execute kills Oblivion Gate no matter what level it's at, right? Um, a, a one-cost a one one spell ruins your strategy. And then there's the fact – and by the way, people already play Executes because of the, this amazing ward phenomena, this, this ward renaissance, if you will – that we There's see a lot within. of ward. There's a There's lot of ward out there. So much ward. There's daggerfalls and ward crafters and 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 the one that shoots fire every turn, the flame slingers. Like there's there's so much ward, and people are running executes. You know, um, now luckily it doesn't die to uh, negation because it can't be silenced. But um, I guess what I'm getting at here is I just don't think it's going to be very 
good. And the main reason, let's say even if your opponent never sees an execute, the main reason it's not going to be good is twofold. One, it takes up a spot in your lane. So if you want field lane control, you do not get field lane control as effectively as you would with any other deck because you basically can only play three creatures in the field lane to take trades with as opposed to four creatures because this thing can't attack, right? And so, and of course, we know, you know, with a mid-range or, or or slower deck, mid-range or control, which I think this is going to be best in, you know, you could take control of Shadow, and maybe putting the Oblivion Gate Shadow is best, you know. But ultimately, like, you're, it's going to slow down your investment into field lane dominance. I think there's going to be a weirdness that people are going to have to learn as to where to put these Oblivion Gates, because right now you don't really want it taking up a spot in your field lane unless you can protect it, and it's going to be harder to protect because you can't have as many creatures in that lane that can attack. And then lastly, this is only as good as the Daedra, as the Daedra that you can play. And there sure. are some great Daedra and some not-so-great Daedra, and there's a lot of middle-tier Daedra. And you know what? I just don't know if it's going to be able to compete with the good stuff environment that we've got out of Dagoth and Battle Mage and Sorcerer. I just don't think it can compete. And tribunal. Yeah. yeah, I think that it, it is a really hard thing to evaluate, right? Because obviously, if you can get this thing going, I mean, it's it's going to wreck people. Um, but that's if they can't remove this. And l- let's just face it, a zero four isn't hard to remove. You're going to have to really, really reliably be able to invade um, or copy this, right? So I think one of the unique interactions, right, is like the doppelganger card that copies a card. You know, is there a world where you can copy Oblivion Gate? You get a level, let's say you get a level three or four one down, you copy one in the other lane, and then you invade again, and or a level two one, and you copy it in the other lane, and then you invade again, and now you have two level threes. So now all your Daedra cost two less and get plus two, plus two, right? There, there's some room to, I think, exploit this, but it's going to have to be, I think that people think like, oh, this is just going to build up and I'm going to get this to like rank eight. You're never going to be able to get rid of it. I don't think that's the case. I think this is going to have to be exploited in a way that you can kind of pull off a swing turn where you can invade a couple of times and then and then take the board by getting the plus one, plus ones, getting the cheaper Daedra, getting some of those. And maybe for like a turn or two, you can pull that off versus thinking like, I'm just going to build this up and keep these these oblivion gates on the board that being said it does it does slow down some decks right because decks that maybe would like to pressure your face every time you summon an oblivion gate are going to be like do i have to get rid of that now like do i I really i think the other thing that's interesting is in green right we have the the support that makes both lanes shadow lanes um and if you can give this thing permanent conceal um, and keep it concealed like that it's going to make it a lot harder to remove because then if you, you're playing against an opponent who wants to interact with it with creatures on board they can no longer interact with it at creatures on board and there are some cards that can give this thing concealment that isn't going to break because you can't attack with it um yeah maybe the thing, I don't know. the thing the thing here is that like those are all some really cute combos but while you're doing those your opponent's developing mm-hmm. you know and like that's the that's what ac- actually and here's what I would applaud about this mechanic, frankly. Um, invade is tied to bodies usually or useful effects, so you actually don't have to waste tempo putting the gates out, but you do have to waste tempo protecting them. Okay, mm-hmm. so getting them on the board is easy, protecting them is harder, which I love. 
I really do. It's flavorful. I think this is really flavorful. And I don't mean to just see, I, I first approached this from a uh, how good is it going to be? And un, until rotation, I mean, I feel like we say that all the time, right? Like, sure. <laughs> until rotation. I mean, I know, think that's a fair thing to say, though, because we're just waiting yeah. for that announcement. Yeah, if it happens. Um, but uh, <laughs> it better. I, it needs to, because I think this would like imagine imagine a world in which like the best two decks are invade and lunar, and then the next tier is like new aggro, which has to use things like the blood crazed daedroth and ash berserker makes a return in mid range. Like, can you imagine? Like, that would just be cool because it's different, you know. But right now, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right now, I, you just like okay, I just want to play young mammoth instead of all of these. It will right, and and so like, like, and it's only gonna be as good as the individual invade cards too. If the end of it, individual invade card isn't very good, right? Then you okay, cool. You got a little zero four, and and then and there's the idea that you have to actually both play the danger in your deck to take advantage, and have the danger in your hand to play to get the value from the gates. So this mm-hmm. is very this is going to be a very um like tribal focused list. Like you can't yes. just splash you which is good, again, which is mm-hmm. good. You can't just splash Phalanx Exemplars and let them get the bonus. You can't just splash, you know, Shearpoint Dragons and let them get the bonus. So like these staples in certain color combinations that are typically used in the mid mid to top end, you can't just jam all the good stuff in it, right? This is a very anti-good stuff. Which guess what? I've been preaching this for forever that they need to design synergy-focused mechanics. So it is so cool. Unfortunately, there, you know, at, at this point, I think it's going to be kind of uh, damaged by the simple fact that the good stuff that already exists ain't going anywhere. You know. So let me ask you this because I think this is something we've talked about before. That's Guildsworn's. Well, it's not Guildsworn's. It, it was identity we, we talked a lot about class identity right and how tricolor doesn't have much class identity but they've been really clear that this is being pushed towards empire for the resistance against the the daedra which is going to be um, purple green yellow and this is being pu- pushed towards guild sworn um which is red blue yellow and they're almost like this is almost like infusing an identity in because i agree this isn't like consume like uh, our one of our last mechanics consume was something that sure you could play a full-on consume deck but it was worse than just playing good cards and splashing the good consume cards because mm-hmm. consume didn't did, it, it wasn't necessary to have all the consume cards to still be able to play consume that's not the case with this you can't just splash some i don't think so I, I of course we haven't seen the whole set but i don't think that you can just splash some invade cards and expect it to just work for you you're, you're just going to be better off you, you you want to play invade if you're going to play invade you want to play it all you want to Put the invade cards in your deck and play the invade. But this does infuse some identity into Guildsworn, which I'm not against. I don't know. I didn't know if you had any thoughts about that because I thought it was kind of unique that they really pushed invade towards three colors in one class specifically. Um, and they were really open about that too. They were like, "Hey, this set focuses on these two these two classes." Yeah, I mean I, that doesn't mean it's limited to a tricolor. I mean, obviously you're going to be able to play invade out of a, any of those dual colors, Battle Mage. You know, or or Crusader or Mage. You know, you can still play it out of there. Frankly, you know, I mean, there's there's plenty of there's plenty of things that say invade. You can play it in in Guild Sword, and you can also play it in dual color. It'll be it'll be fine. Like I yeah, I don't I don't care about that. 
I, I really don't mind that. And what I, really more importantly, I like is that it's story focused. You know, I know they said, oh, the Empire is the one who dealt with the Oblivion Crisis. So the Empire is who, who, what we want. Those tr those colors from a flavor perspective, we want the people to be able to play role play the the event in their mm -hmm. games. I think that's actually a really cool uh, approach. I, I really do. So yeah, I'm I'm good with that. Yeah, they've gotten into a little bit more a little bit more story because of it. I like again, once again, I, I do think it's I do think it's really cool. I'm excited to try it out. I think there's we'll get into the card discussion. There's definitely cards. There's definitely uh, things in this set that I'm more excited to try out than Invade. Not that I won't give Invade a try, but I, there's definitely some cards in this set that got me a little bit more juiced up, a little bit more frothing at the mouth for <laughs> than just the than the invade mechanic um uh, I, I probably if i had played oblivion that would be a little bit different but i'm not like oh my gosh i'm really chomping at the bit to play invade um because i don't i don't care talk about danger i think one interesting point is that most people won't realize is that astronauts are daedra um and i think that's going to be really important because that means that the the things that are summoned from alfique are going to get the bonuses from your oblivion gate Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that is, I think that's important because we already have a battle mage that relies pretty heavily on some really strong Atronaut cards that already wants to play them. So is there a world maybe where you play the, the best of the invade cards with that Atronaut package? And now your Atronauts aren't just coming out as a seven, five with ward, but it's becoming an eight, six with ward guard and drain. Um, mm -hmm. and I, or ward charge and guard or something, you know, uh, I think that's important because I think most people don't realize, I did not realize at first that astronauts were considered Daedra. Um, because personally yeah. there's, there's a, there's the guy that has pilfer all the cards you play this turn will immediately become Daedra. And I don't ever remember an astronaut coming off of that ever. I played him a little bit. You know what card I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about the uh, Heretic Conjure? Yes, and I played Heretic Conjure a little bit, and I, I played cards, but I don't remember ever getting an Atronaut off of that. I but, think maybe, and I don't know this, but maybe for the sake of the, you know, it's been clearly stated, Atronach is the keyword for forever, you know? But I, I believe the Atronach has a plus next to it. I'm going to look it up right now. Because that's what I was told. Okay, so I should have checked that beforehand. But that's what I was told on Discord was that the Atronach has a plus to, next to it and that that plus, you'll see, right, it has two creature types and mm -hmm. it's Atronach and Daedra because that, that could make a big difference. Yeah, I mean, it could. I, I think that, like, most Alphite decks – so what we'd see, we wouldn't see any of the current Alphite decks putting – gates into them we'd see gate decks putting alfique into into the gate deck yeah you know what i mean that's true yes and i think yeah. that like the the current like mid bm and, and dagoth and source like the alfique lists are solved they just they're, they're solved that environment you think you can only make so many adjustments to the deck and i don't think they can really get that much better than they are right now um i'm looking up the atronox as we Speak. I usually have my iPad down here with me, and I don't have it with me right now. I I, I don't keep the game on my phone, so that's my yeah. bad. I should have looked that up. But we're we're gonna find the truth about it right this second, right here on Legends. Well, Cast. I'm not gonna be able to find it in the game because the cards don't actually exist, and you can't 
if you look at a conjuration scholar that doesn't show oh, you just look up creature. frost astronaut just look up frost astronaut right because well, if you if you look up a frost astronaut i'm looking up on legends now okay. like legends decks okay yeah sure so you know just to close up a little bit more of my thought on on the oblivion gates and on the invade mechanic i think it's cool definitely excited to give it a try don't know how fantastic it is because it is tied to a week zero four um obviously this is a zero six if you can invade twice in one turn it's a zero six um and there are some mechanics that we're going to look at that can kind of like protect this a little bit easier giving it ward um and things and and you know, making it deal damage back. So it's not just a free trade. So there are a couple of cards that are going to interact with it that can maybe make this not a threat necessarily, but harder to get rid of, which I think is going to be important, but I don't, I don't know how strong it's going to be in the current meta when we are already playing the best cards. Well, the iron Atronach, the flesh Atronach and the Zavar Atronach are all Daedra's their primary tags. I'm thinking Atronach isn't on the tag. And that Atronach's just in the name, and Daedra is their tag. So I think you're right, they are, but I don't think they ever had the Atronach uh, uh, type. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, it always says Frost Atronach, Fire Atronach, Lava Atronach, you know, Storm Atronach. And I think the type is Daedra. So, yes, in, in effect, hooray, more Alphique. Yeah, yeah, Alphique. Or let's see if my Mighty Conjuring rolls charge. Oh, yeah, and it has a good chance to because you're already getting rid of Breakthrough, Guard, and Ward, which it's not going to rule. So now you're going to roll like Drain, Rally, or Charge for the most part. Or Regenerate. You, or you Regenerate. Or Chance. Or I guess, can you roll Invade now? Because that's a keyword. No, no, no. no. That, that's a mechanic keyword. Mechanic like keyword. Okay. Yeah, so so not like, that's not a creature key. So, so they, they have like kind of awkwardly spelled out like Mechanics and keywords are different. So like expertise is a mechanic and not a keyword. Like pilfer is a mechanic and not a keyword. Okay, okay. Yeah. It does seem like invade could be a keyword. Like it, it does feel like one because it does the same thing every time. Whereas like pilfer, it, it does something when you but, you, but you have to know what the pilfer does, right? With the expertise, yeah. you have to know what the expertise does. Invade does the same thing every single time. It's always yeah, it's gonna summon a game buff a game. Yeah. But I, I think it's normally the, the time that it is triggered is what's different. Like okay. how it is triggered. And so like the keywords are always constant, you know, like there's oh, no, nothing about the timing or the effects ever change amongst any of the keywords. And so like, that's how you know that it's a keyword and not a mechanic because like with invade, it's do this, then invade or invade, then do this. You're like, right. It doesn't just say invade. In fact, when you have a card that does just invade, it says summon invade. It doesn't yeah. say in, it doesn't just have the keyword invade on it like the keyword breakthrough or something would be on. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. You have any final thoughts on the, the the on invade before we move on to some card talk? I mean, I'm excited to play it. I, I like I I don't mean to have like dumped on it. Like I like I said, I think the most exciting thing about it is how flavorful it is, and I'm super into that. I mean, I play a lot of lunar decks, and I play you know I want to play more consume. Consume is just so bad. I mean, it's not unplayable, but it's just so bad relatively. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Uh, so, you know, Lunar at least got a little bit of a sweet spot. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I like it. I like the direction. I like that they have l either listened to feedback or learned their lesson because uh, synergy-heavy 
sets and mechanics are the way to go. Yes. And that's what this is, and I'm very pleased. Yes. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely cool. It's definitely cool. So let's talk some cards. Let's start in uh let's start in strength. Let's start in red here. Um I don't know there's a I think there's a couple of cards that are worth highlighting that are in red. Um obviously the legendary is cuz it's real good. Um but invasion scout this is just because we just got done talking about invade, right? This is a one mana 1/1 one, one danger that says summon invade. So I mean if this you're you're probably if you're going to play invade, you're probably going to play this card to get your get your stuff on the board early in the game. Um, maybe you won't, but I think this is a good example of, this is a, a one drop that's understated because you're in Is it? A one mana one one? It's not a one mana one one. It's a one mana one five. Yeah. I, okay, that's fair. That's I mean, fair. regardless of what your opponent ends up doing, they either kill the gate because they're afraid of it, or they leave the gate so it grows and gives you additional effects. Okay, okay, that's fair. Oh, that's fair. One mana, one mana, one five. That's fair. And it, right, even if it's not, like, if, if you already have a gate on the board and this gives it two life, like, you're buffing your gate and this is ostensibly a one mana, one three, then. Yeah, it's going to give your gate keywords. Yeah, that gets keywords. Or, or bonus health. Right. Yeah. If you already have a gate yeah. on the board, then this is going to be a one mana one four. Okay. Okay. So I see that this card's strong. It's strong in exactly one type of deck, and it's garbage in every other. <laughs> oh sure. Like you don't yeah. throw this one drop into your aggro deck just so you can summon gates for it, right? You, you know what? A great point of comparison here actually is the Serethi Scion. You remember Serethi Scion? No. It's a one mana one one rally. It was intended okay, yes. to be in strength. It was intended to be a way to lead into that big old rally mechanic, except the difference between that card and this card is that that card has to wait a turn before you get any value out of it. This immediately gets invade. In my mind, this is a staple because at any point in the game when you get this, it has value. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's obviously going to be some Daedra and Invade cards that you're going to want to draw late in the game if you're not winning on board over this, but this card always does something good for you. Um, yep. And it's a common, so that's that's nice. Yeah. It's going to be nice. a, an odd one to, to get in Arena, I think. But, I mean, maybe you can make mm-hmm. a Daedra-focused Arena deck. If they heavily weight Arena. You know, Arena doesn't get a lot of attention in this game, but I do like Arena. I do what too. other What red deck? Well, let's just go back and forth if you're cool with that. What red yeah. deck, What red card do you want to talk about? Uh, the biggest one for me, honestly, is Flaming Breath. Really? Uh, I, yeah, I love Flaming Breath. Okay, well, tell us about it then. Tell us what it does. Uh, it's a two-mana two action prophecy, uh, which just throws everything into whack. Uh, deal one damage to everything. Okay. So, it, so it this is, is our face, too, right? Face, My face, your yep. face, every creature, both sides of the board. One damage yes. to everything. Yes. One damage to everything. Um... Do I think this is going to be super strong? No. Do I think it will see niche play? Definitely. Um, you know, I think that Ziv can Bane Lord with a Flaming Breath is really cool. Mm-hmm. I That's think, the one seven that takes everything's health to one. Yes. Everything in the lane's health to one. Mm-hmm. I think Flaming Breath alongside Fighters Guild Hall and Fearless Northlander and uh, all of those self-damage things is going to be it, really cool. It's needed a little push, right? It's never become viable. It's been meme Yeah. 
Uh, I think that's exciting. Um, I also think um, we haven't seen a uh, a full full board damage uh, like this, except for Ice Storm and Debilitate and Fireball, which is a four mana deal one damage to all of your enemies' creatures. Um, so, mm-hmm. so this just I, I don't I can't pin down why it feels strong in a specific instance, but it feels playable and more importantly it's different it can break my own runes if i'm at 26 mm-hmm. it can damage your opponent for one point it's prophecy so you can at least always play it it clears harpies it removes wards i don't know i, I just like it i just like it a lot I, and i intend to be messing with it yeah it's a hard card to really get value a, a read on right like a valuable yeah. read on it, it's definitely not an easy one um, and there's a lot of cards in this set, honestly, so far that it's hard to get a good read on. Like uh, this card that starts with an X that I'll never know. That's a Warlord, which is a four mana, three, three guard and ward Daedra that's common. Um, I love the artwork on this card, the big nasty axe, the horns, the yeah. savage Daedra kilt, right? Like the yeah. artwork is, the <laughs> artwork is just super freaking cool on it. I don't know how good it is, but anytime you see a card with charge, I'm like, I'll take note of that. Sure. Like I'll take Yeah. I'll take I'll take note of that. I'm not sure if it's good or not. But if we don't really have much like it, I don't think. I mean we have cards with charge, but we have Candlehearth Brawler, which is the best point of comparison. Four mana um, two five with guard and charge as well. Right, yes. Yeah, two five guard and charge. Um so the stats are distributed differently. Um technically it has, it has one, one more point stat, yeah. Yeah. But it's not a danger, which means it can't get buffed by the gates. Invade, yes. Uh, yes, it can. Yeah. I think it's a cool card. I, yeah, I'm really drawn totally to great. artwork in this game, and I, I'm definitely drawn to that one. It's it's, um, it's pretty, yeah. Do you have another card in red you think that's really worthy to talk about outside of the obvious, I think, Lord of the Arena? Yeah, yes. Uh, yeah. Charmers reveal, I believe, which is Unfinished Business. Okay, yeah, this is, is an interesting weird, mm-hmm. and um, it's actually going to be, more often than not, it's going to be free if you lead with a Flaming Breath. Yes. So they're reinvesting in this idea of wounded mechanics with um, uh, Red, which, by the way, again, plays into Wound Warrior, um, and because it doesn't, it doesn't specify uh, enemy... Uh, creature it specifically says friendly wounded creature right so mm-hmm. it wants your own guys to be hurt well guess what does that best wound warrior baby it's gonna be sick better than any other this yeah, is a six this is a six mana epic action that reads cost three less for each wounded creature each friendly wounded creature mm-hmm. and then on what it does is it unsummons a creature then you may unsummon a friendly creature, yeah. which is like the the mechanic of it. it you got to get some stuff damage, and then this is going to cause zero is really cool. But then I'm like, do I? I mean, you to. may, you may. Yeah, you don't right. have. You can cancel the uh, the second part, uh-huh. which is what's really strong about it. Yes. So this is I, I can't stress this enough. This is a is a free um, cast out. Yeah. It's a free cast out in decks that are playing uh, with the, the idea of wanting to use this. Like, like a deck that's board-centric can facilitate having wounded creatures by making certain trades. 
ahead mm-hmm. of playing this. This isn't super hard to play, I don't I don't think. Two friendly wounded creatures, and this is free. One friendly wounded creature, and it's a cast out without prophecy. With the added ability of unsummoning a friendly creature that lets let's say it's on its last health point, and you'd just much rather be able to immediately play it for a full health, or you know, maybe it's a charge creature. You or know, you're, summon oh, ability. Or summon yeah. abilities you really want again, you know? I mean, this is there's just there's just a lot of potential here. It kind of reminds me of Fear Totem in a way, and that sometimes you know you can bounce your own things too. And I yeah, I like this card a lot. This card is very interesting to me. Also, yeah, the art I, is pretty cool. The art is really cool in this one too. You get that beer busting over someone's head. Um, I I think this is one of the. It, it's definitely going to be a, a, a card that's going to find play in a unique setup, right? It's not like one of those like this is a shoe in for this deck, like. The the deck that runs this card may not exist currently, right? Like, you're going to want to experiment with this one. And maybe it does exist, but my thought is, like, it probably doesn't exist yet, and you're going to want to – you're going to want to – you're going to find a place for this, but it's not 100% clear to me from the get-go what that place is. Yeah. Well, it, it is going to be interesting. Remember we talked about Blood Craze Daedras last week? Yes, uh, and that's the one that if you draw a card, if there's a wounded creature in its lane. Yeah, so if you remember, what I said was Crusader doesn't need this, uh, and Battle Mage probably doesn't need this. But Warrior could potentially get some value out of this. Warrior typically doesn't have a whole lot of good uh, card draw for aggro. Um, And if you're playing Wound Warrior, I know I keep saying it over and over again, but I legitimately think they're kind of pushing this a little bit. Is it going to be enough for for a self-damage Warrior to be, you know, good? Eh, Probably not. Tier three, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what I'm doing day one. That is what Wound I'm doing. Warrior. Wound Warrior, day one. Hmm. Promise. Wound Warrior. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the last big, big red guy that we should talk about. This is 11 mana, Lord of the Arena. It's a Minotaur. It's an 8-8 that reads summon, choose two creatures to battle each other, yeah. which you can choose your opponent's creatures. This is a non-unique legendary, so you can run three of these suckers. This could be an 11-mana 8-8 remove two opponent's creatures. It also could be a 11-mana 8-8 trigger your Night Talon Lord. Yes. Yeah, there's some it's a squish. Wicked... It's a squish on a stick. Yeah, there's some wicked potential with this. But it's not just a squish on a stick, right? Squish, squish the wimpy. You have to, you have to use one of yours and yeah. one of theirs. This is, this is, you could use two of theirs. So this is, this is squish. This is an eight mana. Oh, it's an eight eight or not eight mana. It's eight eight. So if you figure what you pay eight mana for eight eight in stats or whatever, so then you're paying an extra three mana to get a far more versatile squish. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, anything with a really good effect on a body is, is, is you know, like, like an effect like that on a body, that's really good. Now, of course, it doesn't like wards. Um, it's also expensive, mm-hmm. and it's in the least controllable color, which is red. I mean, not that red can't control. It can. Uh, but typically prefers to control out of tricolor. Um, yes. Uh-huh. And I think you probably want ramp. So I'm looking at Ebonheart here, uh, yeah, which, by okay. the way, control of Ebonheart's fallen off so much. Maybe this is a nice little, you know, well, we're sorry we nerfed the crap out of you, control Ebonheart. Here, have a uh, uh, have a really cool combo-tastic, slay-tastic, lethal-tastic present, you know? 
It's a cool card. It's a it really is. cool card. I, I don't know that I'll craft three of them, but I probably want at least one or two of these. I can see slapping I can see slapping one of them in um in an Ebonheart list for sure. Ebonheart, maybe even Guild Sworn. It might find a home in, it could find uh, a home in Guild Sworn. Or or uh, or even Rhetoric. Mm-hmm. If you want to play like a late game, you know, Rhetoric or even like a Slay Halalu could actually make some, some I use. I love of this. that. I love Slay Halalu. That's what I've been playing. That's yeah. my jam. That's my could jam. Be, it, it seems what's cool about this card is that it doesn't have any real real restriction on it besides cost. And sometimes that cost is going. It sometimes it's going to be worth the cost. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it won't be. But I think that I think that like since it doesn't have any major restrictions on it of like you know oh you have to be playing this to play this. You know, it's a good card because of that because you can always look and say man I just need one more late game finisher in my red deck. You know I've already got Odaving in here. I need something else and I don't like Malamnir because I don't like Malamnir. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh man, let me. Let me snag this guy. You know, it's just, I mean, it's going to fill that role. It's never going to be, I don't think it's going to be broken. I just think it's going to be solid. And I like cards like that that are just good. Just yeah. good, but not broken. And not, you know. This is something you're going to have to pay attention to on turn 11 now. It's not just going to be, do they have Mirac? It's going to be, okay, am I going to play cards on the board? Am I, like Coming into turn 11, am I set up for them to play Lord of the Arena and smash two of my cards together and get rid of two of my cards and play an 8-8 in one turn? Yeah, which, like, by the way... You're going to want to make sure you can avoid that. Which, by the way, makes Ward even more powerful. Ward, Ward is, is the most powerful keyword in the game. Like... I'd say charge, but I think it's ward. I think ward right is now a powerful it's ward. keyword in the game. Well, right I, I'm saying just like in raw theory, like mm. taking context of what we have now out of it, ward is the most powerful keyword in the game. Um, and and this is yet another card uh, that doesn't like ward amongst a huge whole laundry list of cards that don't like ward. You know what's cool though? You know what's cool though? What is there cool? is a lot. There is one mechanic in particular that that uh, that does like Ward, and that is the minus one minus one mechanic, which we've seen a fair amount of. Do you want to want to go to green? Oh, let's let's just shift it down. Let's let's skip over all these blue things. Okay, just in blue, it's danger, danger, danger. Keywords, keywords, keywords. Let's move on to green. I guess <laughs> we have to skip yellow. Um, we'd have to skip yellow too. So green. Come back to it. It'll be fine. <laughs> this is what I'm genuinely the most excited about. This is what I cannot wait for. I love goblins. Love them. Love goblins in 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 this game. Freaking some of my favorite decks were like Matt Odeving's like Goblin Archer type mm-hmm. decks. And and so we have three new goblins, um, four actually, I think, right? Do we have three green or two green and then a purple? Um, uh, three green and a purple. Three so green far. and a purple. Yeah, so far. And I hope we get more. So Bitterfish Witch. This is a three mana, two, two common that has a prophecy summon, give a creature minus one, minus one, three mana, two, two with a prophecy and a curse attached to it. And you don't have to run a curse in your deck. Um, I like this card. I like it. I think it's going to be good in Goblin synergies and not see play anywhere else because it's it is pretty understated. You know, I mean, you're competing with uh, Sanctuary Pet, which is just all all around a better card. Sure. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think Bitterfish Witch uh, is first off. I also really like the card on this one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think it's I think it's a, a strong card in Goblin synergies because you know the being 
understated isn't as big of a deal when you follow it up with the uh, four drop that buffs all your goblins by plus two plus two. Mm-hmm. Um, gives you a little bit. If you want to play like aggro goblins, it gives you a nice tempo play on three, and it also, of course, can come in off of a prophecy. Gives you a little bit of the ability to set up trades that you want. I think in goblin aggro, you might play one or two of these. Yeah, I think that what they've done with goblins here is they've taken goblin aggro and they've given you the ability to interact with your opponent's board like you haven't actually had with goblin aggro before, which goblins aren't, are never going to become a control deck. There's no end game for them, but it, they're just so cool. Uh, you know, here's what I'm going to – I'm just I, – I have this just place in my heart for them. So whether they're good or not, I'm going to say that I like them. The other, the other green one is – and this is – this is probably the one that's maybe getting the most talk. This is Dust Eater Skirmisher, a one-mana rare 2-1 goblin, and it says when Dust Eater Skirmisher takes damage from a creature, give that creature minus one, minus one. This is a one-drop that kills Wardcrafter. Yes. So needed. Oh, a one-drop that clears... It's an aggressive, statted one-drop that clears Wardcrafter. Yeah, I think this is one of the rare... Um... Uh, cards that you would say you much prefer the 2-1 stat line to a 1-2 or a 1-3. This card wants to be able to trade up into almost anything on turns 1 through 3. Like, mm-hmm. in combat, against a non-warded creature, this is a 3-attack a creature for 1. Yes. You know? It does damage through wards. It, uh, this, this card is legitimately extremely powerful. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, like I don't want to like, you know, oversell it because I haven't seen the rest of it. But of what I've seen so far, this seems like the strongest card in the current environment so far. Yeah, kind of nuts. It's really strong. It lets you seize the early game so well. I mean, this card is still sucks against, say, like um, a Daggerfall Mage, which sees a lot of play right now. Um, Does but it? it's, well, yeah, I mean, because the point of Daggerfall so is you don't want its ward to break. Yeah, but you also minus one, minus one it. And, like, by the time, so if you play this on one, they get to turn three with that, and this thing's still alive, you're probably sure. winning the game. Like, yeah, yeah. No, okay, I don't want to say winning the game. You're probably winning the, the board. Your board you probably, probably have another bad. response that you can use for exactly. Daggerfall Mage over this. You probably don't mm-hmm. need this to deal with Daggerfall Mage. That's yeah. true. Mm-hmm. It, the fact that it comes out on one is is probably the craziest part. Yeah. yeah. Like, if this was no a two-drop, it would be maybe not pl- – I don't know if it would be playable as a two-drop, but it would be, like, fringe at least. As a one-drop, this is just, like, wow. Well, the stat line would make it not playable at two. If, they, if it was a 2-2 with the same effect at 2, it's probably still see play because it deals with Warcrafter. At a 1-mana 2-1, this card is excellent. Plus, it gives goblins another 1-drop uh, because... They need it. Well, previously, they didn't have a 1-drop unless you had Murkwater Butcher in your hand on turn 1. Mm-hmm. So now, their two 1-drops are either Murkwater Butcher, a 1-mana 3-2, or Dusty or Skirmisher, a 1-mana 3-2. Which <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. And then the Bloody Hand Chef, um, which is a two mana, two, two legendary goblin, but not unique. So you can have three of them. When you reduce an enemy's uh, creature's power or health, um, 
uh, with an effect, bloody hand chef uh, gains that much power and health. So this is when you remove their power or their health, you get that much power and health. So am I reading this correctly that let's say I um, I play this and then I play um, Cloud Resolutionist and give something minus four attack. This is this creature is going to get plus four plus four, yes. not plus four plus zero. No, it's power or health, not power and health. Uh, so okay. you get the one. So it will be a four, a two mana six two. Okay, with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. But it won't be a two. It won't be a two mana six six because it's it's one or the other. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I still would rather be both. Um, well, me too. <laughs> obviously, negation bait very clearly. But in a deck that is already wanting to run like some of that curse package, um, and and control the board slash develop a board with goblins. It's it's also cool. It's roasting a skeever, like it's it's burning and roasting a skeever, like. You know when I when I it is a cool art. Uh, it's a chef. You know he's got to cook. Yeah. He's cooking up a, a nice skeever for his for his group. Uh, here here's when I first looked at this card, I said bad. And the reason I said bad was two mana two two. Mm-hmm. It's bad. Two mana two two is bad. Okay. I'm I spent I spent. Two hours trying to make Daggerfall Phantom work, okay? Today, like uh, it didn't work. Well, it everything around it worked. <laughs> <laughs> I had okay. I had one game where it it, it I one game where it legitimately won me the game, but I think that's because my opponent didn't know what the card did. Okay. <laughs> like I seriously think that that's what happened. Uh, so, but but no, but I've changed my mind on it. I've changed my mind on it, and the reason I've changed my mind on it. Is because of the the skirmisher, the dust mm-hmm. whatever dusty skirmisher. If you play mm-hmm. that on one, and then you your opponent plays a wordcrafter challenge it, and then you play the bloody hand chef and trade in the dusty skirmisher, you have a two mana three three. Yes. With potential to grow. Uh huh. Yeah. If you have a curse in your hand, which I think there's a legitimate argument to run goblin skulk again with curses. Okay. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Sure. If you have a curse in your hand. You play it down, you're probably already going to curse something. It's a two-mana 3-3 three, three, with the potential to keep growing. If you play it in Monk, yeah, Cloud Rest off a of Prophecy. Yeah, you gives get this thing a, four attack. You get, uh, if, if, this is in the, is, if this is in Shadow, which you probably wanted in Shadow, uh, because Goblins, typically with the low defensive stat line, prefer to be in Shadow. If you then play the Bitterfish Witch off Prophecy, gross. Like, I, I you know... Things, things that can grow generally aren't good. Source of negation removal. But but because it synergizes so well with everything else, I think it'll be I think it'll be at least good, maybe great. Yeah, I don't know if it's like I don't know if it'll ever be like great, but I'm gonna have three of them. Like <laughs> this is like you like I'm going like day one, it's goblins. I'm just crafting all Dust the Eater, Dust Eater Skirmisher makes this card good. Yeah, that that like ideal curve is crazy, you know. It and, is. Uh, it's really. You know, I mean, one into that on two into Bitterfish Witch on three into the Goblin that buffs your board plus two plus two on four. That's strong. That's super yeah, strong. Yeah, yeah. Along with you know any um um yeah yeah. So if your four drops are Cloud Rest or the Goblin or the one that bu- that uh, that buffs everything. Oh man, like I don't know. Like we're talking about ideal situations against top meta decks, and that's yeah, still probably not good enough. But but like in its theme synergy deck, this guy puts in work. 
And I think in a deck, like in a meta, right, where you're seeing like big bodies versus wards, maybe you don't care as much about this, right? In a, in a, in a deck where you're seeing more in a meta, you're seeing a lot more young mammoth than you are ward crafter or something, which is a, would be a rare scenario. Um, maybe this, maybe it isn't as good as what it is now, but I think in a meta where we're seeing so many wards, anything that works past wards to give minus one, minus ones just seems that much more appealing. He's yeah. that much more interested in it. Absolutely. Um, the other card that I think in green is interesting um, is maybe uh, people doing a lot of talk about it is Unicorn. Do you want to talk about Unicorn for a moment? Yeah, Unicorn is a, uh, a non-unique legendary. Uh, so three mana. Yeah, three mana, two, three. Uh, beast. Friendly creatures in this lane with less power than Unicorn have charge. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not really worried about this. Can, can it be good? Certainly. Am I concerned about its meta implications? No, because I think the only thing that can generate infinite stuff is uh, was Disciple of Namira. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it can't that's gone. I can't think of anything that can generate uh, lots of stuff. And it doesn't really change, like Divine Fervor changes uh, nothing because the creature that you then play in the lane with it will also have the same attack. Exactly. You know, um, I, I just think like if you wanted to play an OTK deck using Unicorn, you totally can. But it'll be crummier than if you went with a raiding party, red heavy Math Seder which I played to Legend two months ago, and that, that deck is really, really strong. Uh, thanks, Karakun Jewel. Uh, that, yeah, that, that was deck his. is incredible, and I went something like, I don't know, 20 and 4 with it. That, yeah. that, that's what you want. Like If you want to play a Unicorn OTK deck or something like that, you can do it, and I'll applaud you, and it'll be dope. It really will. But unless I'm missing something that I haven't, I haven't seen anyone say anything that has scared me yet, any combos that have scared me yet uh, with the unicorn. Unicorn scout with Galen. Uh, no, yeah. I'm just joking. It's it's not uh, it's not good. It's you not can good. say you can say Galen with anything, and yeah. you're like, whoa. Well, you know, <laughs> we have several cards in the set that like they interact with things with less power than them, but they don't have high power themselves. We have two cards, and spoiler, it, you're gonna have a third card by the end of the show um, that interacts with its power when it hits the board. Um, so, also, you know, good. Well, there's also like this, there's a couple of things that base it, base, um, the strength of a card off of its power, like several things that base it off of its power. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm almost wondering, like, are they trying to bring rally back, like make rally great again? You know, like What's interesting it was never seen great, one but, card that can do that without rally. Right. That's the that's the uh, endurance purple. It's emperor's attendant. It's a one man. It's a two mana one one red guard that's rare. That reads summon give a creature in your hand power and health equal to attendant's power. Emperor's attendant's power. So not that this requires a ton of conversation, but the emperor's attendant is one of the first cards that we've seen that will buff something like unicorn in your hand before you play it on the board. That won't also buff everything else that you're going to play on the board. Yeah. Um. We haven't seen much of that, but Emperor's Attendant is the one thing that can do it. And if you play this in a deck that runs 
you know, um, yellow and, and this thing comes onto the board as a two mana two two that gives something in your hand plus two plus two. That's not super bad. And then there's, if you, there's fifth legions, orc clan captains, divine fervors. There's mm-hmm. ways to do it. Yeah, and it will buff something up in your hand, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be strong. I'm no. just saying, like, this is one of the tools that they've released that makes something like Unicorn maybe a little bit more viable that they haven't – they got to they gotta show us more, right? If they release more like this, then Unicorn maybe becomes a little bit more viable, maybe becomes a little bit easier to pull off. At this point, I think anything that you're going to do with OTK deck is going to be too hard to pull off. You're going to lose 85% of your games. Yeah. You're going to feel really good when you do it, but – yeah, and you know the thing too about it is that it does it itself does not have charge, so you have to play it and then whatever you want to charge. Yeah, you know, uh, so that, that's that's, that's an important note. I think it's a good card. I think it's a cool card. I, I just I I think if ever, if somebody's concerned about it, I would say don't don't stress because it's clearly not intended to be a game breaking card based on its design. And if at any point it is, they will nerf it. Yeah, yeah, they won't let it. They won't let it sit. Like, like you can tell by the text. Like the, sometimes when like, like when you look at a card and you're evaluating a card, you can usually check based on the number of restrictions or or modifiers on a card's ability if they want it to be good or not. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you can tell. And a card and this like one this one has multiple multiple restrictors, and so like they clearly want it to excite people and get people thinking about ways to use it, but they don't want it to be a focal point card. And they put it on a, an artwork with a majestic unicorn on it. So they could they could have called this anything and given this ability to a whole bunch of different things. But they put it on a unicorn, so people are going to want it because it has the unicorn on it. I don't want it because it has the unicorn, but there are going to be people who want it. Um, the other endurance card that I don't mind taking a look at is the legendary. Are we, are we moving on to endurance? Oh, do you want to? I I know I, you want to talk about dead drop, don't you? I, I do. How did you know? I knew, I knew it was dead drop because you love completed contracts. I do like completed contracts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let, let, let's talk about. Let, I think the other the green cards aren't necessarily worth commenting too much on, but I think the yeah. dead drop is definitely worth talking about. Tell us about dead drop. Well, okay, so it's a zero mana action. Give a friendly creature slay. Put a completed contract into your hand this turn. It may move to attack other creatures in the other lane this turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, this card's really cool. And I don't even think it'll be good, but it's cool. And it's cool for a couple reasons. One, completed contract, giving your things ramp, pseudo ramp, right, with green pseudo ramp. Uh, that That's always tempting. Uh, it can go with, it gives your creature slay, by the way. Um, and so it's, it's not just when a creature kills something, it gets its slay. Uh, so that triggers any sort of slay synergies you have with the Brother Sanctuary and what's not. Um, but I really think that most importantly, it it allows your creature to move um, to attack to to make a trade. Move to make a trade, right? So now this competes with move in shadows, which is move and then move again at the end of your turn. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so when it comes to like movement monk, movement monk already doesn't run move in shadows anymore because Goblin Sculpt got nerfed. Um, so dead drop doesn't really compete there, but I can see the idea of, okay, shadow shift is excellent because it goes and draws me a card and moves, right? Um, but I think that dead drop is actually one of those situations where, um, one, you can make some value out of this in a swindler's market deck, 
um, that might not be a combo OTK deck, but maybe more of a grindy mid-rangey deck that's like it's a supplementary thing. I, I don't have this theory crafted out yet. I'm just thinking. Um, could, and then you could also use this um, on a deck that wants to run like Slay Halalu, right? Um, where sometimes you really need, you have these big beefy late game threats and getting two or even three completed contracts help you get a Marak out two or three turns earlier or whatever. Or one of your Slay creatures with an Unstoppable Rage. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there's plenty. I mean, you, you run Brotherhood Slayers in Slay Halalu, so mm-hmm. Dead Drop isn't that far out of the question. Now, of course, it's a zero-cost card. Of course, you already have to have a creature on it. You know, there's a lot. It's, again, this, this one, it doesn't have restrictors. It's just the fact that it's a zero-cost card, right? But um, this is a great card to pull off a of Pawnbroker, I think. Um, not as good as Lesser Ward. Not, not as good as a Firebrand or a Curse. But not a bad one either because it, it's flexible. You can change lanes with it. You can also make a kill and ha- basically ramp one for a turn, which sometimes for a mid-range deck that wants to run, or even an aggro deck that wants to run Pawnbroker. Oh look, I was already going to make this trade. You know, now I can because you don't have to move lanes. Now I can make the trade and get that extra magic to instead of playing a two drop and a two drop, I can play two drop and three drop. Like I don't know. Like I don't. I don't think I'm going to run it, but I like the card a lot. It just does a couple different things. I don't know. Something about this card tickles my fancy, and I, I, I'm I, going to have to mess with it. I think that there's something – one of the things I think it's, it's, that is really cool with it is this is a zero drop that generates a zero drop. Mm-hmm. Right, and so if you're playing a market deck, there's not really any. Is there a zero? There's not really a zero drop that generates another zero drop. But this is a card that you can play for zero, shift over, trade in with your creature to help you survive a turn, and then you play a, a. You get a completed contract. You you can spin that out for a second zero drop. So this is a zero drop that generates a zero drop, which is just more fire in a market deck. And market decks haven't seen a lot of play recently since some nerfs. But this is definitely. I think this is a a really good tool for a market deck that yeah, wants to control the dame and put more zero drops in their hand. There's also a couple other cards that want to go off of zero drops, like Swims at Night. And, you know, you've got the Goblin, by the way. There's a Goblin that yes. when you do put a zero drop in your hand, you put another copy of the zero drop. So yes. you get two contracts off that Goblin. Just saying. Um, this just, it's, just, it's just, you know what it is? You know what it is? It's saying, here's a kind of weak tool, but it could work in a couple different lists. Tesla community, see what you can do with it. Like this mm-hmm. deck, this card doesn't, I don't think has a clear, concise, we're printing this to help this. It's just a, here's another interesting thing that we're going to just put out there. We're going to float it out there and see what you guys do with it. I like that idea. I, I like that kind of design philosophy. Not everything has to be pushed, you know? Sure. Sure. Well, okay, let's move on because we are in almost an hour and probably. Yeah, sorry. I ramble minutes. a lot. When I think no, 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 no. It's good. I, I like looking. That's why we're not looking at all of them. But yeah. Let's finish Endurance because I don't know that there's – we talked about – there's only three Endurance cards on this list. There might be one that I'm missing. But let's talk about um, Ms. Kerr, the Lich. It's a Lich. It's a four-mana 3-5. Yes, a four-mana 3-5 Legendary Skeleton. It's not unique, so you can have three of them. It says summon, choose an enemy creature, and then at the start of your turn, if the chosen creature is alive, summon a 1-1 Risen Dead with Guard in its lane. This card isn't amazing, but I'm going to craft three of them and put them in my new Skeleton Tribunal support deck because I want to summon a bunch of 3-3s three with guard 
um, on your turn because you can't trade in with it. I don't, I don't know that this card's very good, but it's cool. It's a really cool card, and uh, and I like it. I like it. It's another thing to push the the skeleton, the skeleton tribe, the token generating skeleton tribe. So I like that, and uh, and I'll play it. I'll mess around with it for sure. I want it. Um, I don't know that. Like I said, I don't think it's gonna be tier one. I don't think it's gonna be like, oh my gosh, this goes in a bunch of different decks and it's really good. But I like it. You know, I I actually don't think this is too bad. I mean, obviously you play it in skeletons. Obviously, like, I don't I don't think this makes the cut in any control list, and you don't really want to play it in mid-range or, ag- or aggro because the 1-1 one, is not doing much for you, I don't think. Plus, if you're aggro or mid-range, your opponent is trading into you. But in control, and sometimes mid-range, but if you're playing uh, with, uh, with, with, with skeletons, what's neat here uh, is there's a lot of times where when you play a card against aggro, they do one of two things. They either trick the trade... Or they ignore the trade, right? Yeah. And this right. and this heavily punishes ignoring the trade, um, or, or the or alternatively they take the trade, which is ideal. Mm-hmm. Anytime, so an acro opponent when they're faced with an enemy creature, they have three decisions: they either trick the trade with like cloud rest or gavel or something like that. Uh, they ignore the trade, go face, and understand that the opponent's going to take the trade next turn. Uh, which is the, you know, or they take the trade and suffer the consequences, which is exactly what you as the controlling player, not a control player, but the controlling player wants, right? Um, you want it to be awkward. You want your opponent to have to take the trade. Barring that, you want your opponent to ignore the trade and you'll take it next turn. The last thing you want is for them to trick the trade. What this can do is you can dump its shadow, target uh, a creature that you know is not going to take a trade, a mournhold trader. Uh, a slinking mm-hmm. jackal, something that you're, you know, your opponent. If you, let's say, you already have fielding presence, and you, you know your opponent's likely to, to trade with you next turn, uh, or likely to ignore it. Like this allows you to manipulate that uh, and say, hey, listen, you know, I'm going to get a blocker, which, by the way, can be buffed by, oh, I don't know, a divine fervor, or Vastari, or bone training Daddy, grounds, training bone grounds, Daddy, yeah. right? Or the um, other four, the four mana four, four with guard that gives your skeletons plus one plus one. Right. Um, and so, and I'm, and it's got a guard. It's going to slow you down the longer you ignore trades. You can even put this down and say, trade with me, or I get guards. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't think it's amazing, but I do think it is good. It's cool, and it's cool. Yeah, I'm more about the cool factor. I'm all about the cool factor, man. Yeah, well, what I I just like that it 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 screws with the head of the aggro player who's trying to determine how to trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because it has a making them make stat line too. This is making them for this is forcing them to make like it, not the most optimal decisions. Yeah, you know what the worst part about it is though. What's that? Uh, your four drop curve is already so heavy. How are you gonna find space for it? Yeah, I mean that's true. <laughs> that's true. I, got like, I got like 44 drops in my deck. I'm putting them in. I'm putting them in anyway. Maybe this goes in the source or not the tribunal list. Maybe this isn't the support skeleton. Maybe this is just the skeleton skeleton. Yeah. Um. So we we largely skipped over um blue and yellow. Um. And I think that there are some interesting cards in both blue and yellow. Yellow specifically has had a ton of cards spoiled. Yellow seems really relevant. Blue seems not relevant. Like not I don't as, think you need to talk about anything in blue because I think it's very obvious. Like you know, a lot of the and it's all almost all invade stuff so far. Yeah. So I don't think we really need to. 
knowing what invade does though it does make forces of destruction really strong the, oh no doubt the, forces of destruction was going to be strong no matter what yes but it is super strong now that is being this being said the amount of danger that i'm seeing them print in this and some that aren't always fantastic right that this is polluting the field this is polluting what this card can draw um, and summon at random, force of destruction. But you also run the chance of just you play this and you summon two of the red one ones that invade two more times. And now you have a, a gate that's at level three and the last eight mana that you're going to summon off a of force of destruction are going to get plus one plus one in a, in a, a keyword as well. Um, so it's definitely, this is, this is the card that you're going to want to avoid in the invade decks. Like this is the turn that you're going to dread. Like they're going to try to control the board, try to invade. You're going to be battling it back and you're not going to want them to get to turn 10. Cause once they drop this, they may just be able to take the board from you and you may never get it back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's what most invade decks are going to do. They're going to, they're going to force you to trade with their zero fours, their zero sixes. And then on turn 10, they're going to play forces of destruction. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, you t- wait too, you waited too long, which is super cool and super thematic because it's like, oh, you're battling down these things. But if you don't take me out, like I'm going to open up the, the floodgates and I'm going to summon a ton of Daedra and then you're going to lose because I played Forces of Destruction. And it, it, it almost makes some of these invade decks feel a little bit more like a time bomb um, that I think is cool. And it, it's a it's a cool turn to have a power spike, too. I mean, turn 10 is two turns before you're going to see Conscription. So, yeah. I like that. I like that. Okay, yeah, we don't have to talk thoroughly about it, but tell me, tell us about a yellow card that you want to talk about. Oh god, D- definitely Worldly Wanderer. Okay, yeah, he's really cool. He's Worldly cool. Worldly Wanderer is bonkers. This card is this card is exactly what I. I, I okay, by the way, uh, nailed it. Okay, I'm just gonna pat myself on the back here. Mm-hmm. I've been talking about how they are need to print a tutor for supports. Uh, if supports are going to be good. Okay. Guess what this yeah. is? A tutor it's for a, supports. It's a tutor for supports. And more importantly, and, 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 and astoundingly, uh, it's a tutor for supports, which plays it. It puts right. it, it, it puts it into play for free. Mm-hmm. This thing is, this. I don't want to say stupid. Okay. I like support decks. This thing is stupid. Okay. Instantly mm-hmm. you can play this. Tutor Moongate. Yeah. You can tutor this, and this is actually what I'm going to do with it, probably in, in Rhetoran. You can tutor this, you can play this, and tutor a uh, Fighter's Guild Hall for my uh, self-damage Rhetoran. Yeah, okay. that's going to happen. Okay, okay. Um, you can tutor this, and you can grab anything two or less instantly if it has a buff, like, you know, oh, I don't know, Divine Fervor. You can uh-huh. go and grab a Forward Camp. Which obviously this is going to be in fervor, and you can just go get forward camp with it. Yes. You can go get conjure spirit with it. Yeah. You just, you're just if like you I didn't, I didn't have this part of down, my combo. Just yeah. play it. If you have a fervor down, you just get whatever you want. You can go and get up elixir vitality if you're playing like a grindy controlling, uh, you know, with cauldron keepers yeah. and, and stuff. This card is really, really strong. Someone's gonna break it. Probably, I don't know. Probably Ian bits. Uh, you know, or maybe uh, maybe Dust, because I know Dust likes supports. Bottom line is, this thing's good. You know, and they already, like, I, I, look, uh, back in Alliance War, back before Moons of Elsewhere, I was like, yo, 
uh, here's what's up. Here's here's what Tesla wants to do. Just the design trends. I wrote an article on Team Rankstar. The design four design trends to note from uh, Moons of Elsewhere. And one of them was they are pushing supports. They are mm. pushing supports as a strategy, specifically in yellow. It is now supports are now part of yellow's core identity, which it never yes. was before. Yes, it is for sure now though. Mm-hmm. And this is just an extension of that. And supports are going to be a legitimate contender now. I think with this card, I really think that. Uh, also, it just, I mean, listen, what's the biggest issue? Have you played much Lunar? Have you no, much Lunar? I have not played much Well, Lunar. I can tell you, the biggest issue with Lunar is when you don't get your Moon Gates. Mm-hmm. Now you have six Moon Gates. <laughs> the crazy part is, is that it plays it, right? It doesn't add it to your hand. It puts it's it into big. play. It just comes right in. It just comes. It's just there. It's there. Um, you know, with literally with... You know, this thinking like Conjure Spirit, right? You're getting a free action that you want from your grave, from your deck. You're putting it in play. That's a free three mana. You're playing, if you have Fervor on the board, this is a five mana, four, six, that with a free three drop support from your deck in play. Mm-hmm. That's mm. crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It is really good. It is really good. If supports get bonkers, I mean, the, the, the support monk is already very strong. Like, it's already a cool deck. It's already pretty strong. It already pretty much outgrinds any control deck because you just can't beat it. It just plays too many supports. This this may be the card that it needs to push it in and make it competitive. Yeah. It may be it. Yep. Um, so, okay, real quickly, my daughter has been crying for, like, 25 minutes upstairs. Um, and <laughs> let, let, I'll just say this. Luckily, my mother is here tonight. There are two other legendaries for yellow. Um, and I think honestly, like invasion party, uh, and the unique legendary are both pretty cool cards and both pretty strong. Um, but everyone's going to get a chance to play with them. Do you have any problem with us moving on to our card reveal in, in, instead of continuing to review cards or do you have one that you'd really like to get to yet? Uh, the only one that I wanted to touch on was, well, I don't even want to get started on the painted world, painted troll thing. Uh, I don't, don't even know how that works yet. So. Yeah, I, I I haven't really put any thought into it. But I do want to mention one. I think Defensive Bruma is going to be infuriating. Uh, that was Silverfuse's card reveal. And I just talked to Silverfuse. Silverfuse is like, holy crap, I do not want to play against this. This is going to be scary as heck. Uh, this is a four-mana action that costs two less for each friendly creature with five or more health. And it gives all friendly creatures plus one, plus one in guard. Yeah, so like it competes with Mercenary Captain in the same spot, but giving guard is going to be absolutely nuts. Like, oh, I think I'm going to be able to beat this token by racing through Shadow. Now they all have guard and plus and plus and great. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not even about getting the cost down because it costs four, no, so who cares? Yeah. Um, and then the other thing, last thing I want to mention is Maroon's Dagon's Seducer. First off, why didn't they just say Dagon's Seducer or Maroon's Seducer? This, this card text, this mm-hmm. title is so long. If you really, really read the long. dang thing, it's, it's, it's so almost, big. It had to yeah. be like three font sizes smaller than a normal card or yeah. normal card title. Uh, uh, but I want to I want to mention this card just briefly because it has the exact same cost and stat block as Hive Defender. Difference is this breakthrough and drain. Is this as good as Hive Defender? Probably not. But for one cost more, you can have a Golden Initiate with a six defense back end. Oh, and breakthrough. And breakthrough. Um, yeah. No prophecy. Time. No prophecy. All I'm trying to say is uh, they said, hey, what's a four drop in yellow that everybody loves to play? Hive Defender. Let's put something to compete with Hive Defender. So instead of guard, we're going to give Breakthrough and Drain. 
Now, mm-hmm. guard is part, probably what makes Hive Defender good in many ways because you want a it's a defender. But I think we should keep our eye out on this card to be very, very good, especially in Invade, just because a th- four mana three six is the kind of body you want, especially the kind of body you want getting buffed by the Oblivion Gate. That's all. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a it's a lot of stats. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of stats, and if it's got a level three Oblivion Gate. It's a three mana four seven with mm-hmm. breakthrough drain and another keyword. <laughs> that's that's really yeah. bonkers. Four mana four seven a four mana four seven with breakthrough drain and another keyword for uh, if if you're believing it's level three. That's that or, uh, no, it's a three mana. It's a three mana yep. four seven with mm-hmm. breakthrough drain and another keyword. That's bonkers. That's yep. crazy. Yep. You lose. You lose against that. You don't win against that, right? Like if yeah, they're dropping you need a javelin right away. Yeah, if they're dropping three mana four sevens with breakthrough drain and ward or breakthrough drain and charge or breakthrough drain and guard, like yeah. you lose. I think that's just the card that a lot of people thinking about invade are gonna like not think about, and I think they should think about. It. That's all I was yeah. wanted to. Throw yeah. Out. Yeah, that's a there all of these cards that are Daedra like you look at them and you're like, oh man, what could have happened on level three of Invade? What could happen? I'm on even thinking three? about level I'm even thinking about level one. Plus one health makes a big difference in this game. Yeah, I mean just a four mana three seven with breakthrough and drain is good. Yep. That's that's fantastic. Yep. Okay, so there are other cards that have come out, some that we didn't review, and there's some good ones out there. Make sure you check those out. But let's talk about a card reveal that we got. Um, CVH emailed this to us. Really deeply appreciate it. So we have a new legendary card um, that's coming out uh, in the Jaws of Oblivion, and that is called Faded Wraith. Faded Wraith is a 5-mana, 1-3, non-unique legendary spirit that reads, Summon, draw cards equal to Faded Wraith's power. So five mana, one, three, legendary spirit that reads summon, draw cards equal to faded wraith's power. And I have been thinking about this card now for a week and still am struggling to come up with exactly what I feel about this card. And I've had a week to think about it and sort of create decks that I want to play it in um, and, and plan around it. And I still don't know... I don't know how strong this card is specifically because of the existence of camel Mm. strictly because of camel. Now I think that something that's notable in a deck that's going to buff this and play supports like in a deck with two divine fervors on the board and a necromancer, you can necromancer this out when you need it and you're going to draw three cards. Obviously if this deck is, if this card is played as a five mana one, three draw card, it sucks. I don't ever want to play that. If this card is played as a five mana, two, five, draw three cards, I always want, if, if there was a card that was printed that was just five mana, three, five, draw three cards, I would play that. Yeah. I would play that card in a lot of decks. Draw three cards, are you kidding me? The upside of this card is crazy in terms of hand refilling. Even if you ran one or two of them in a control deck in such a way that you knew that you could draw three or four cards off of this thing, it's insane. Insane. Galen Galen on one of these things means that you're going to be summoning five mana, four sixes, draw four cards. Yeah, no, it's... uh intimidating to say the least uh if you can get it to that point 
Yeah, if it if it's that good. I don't know. I mean, you've had a week to look at this or know about this card as well, DBN. Do you have any thoughts on it oh, um, that you formed since we since we saw this card about a week ago? You know, I didn't really put a whole lot of thought into it, not going to lie. Uh, it was a busy weekend. But uh, um, I think the biggest thing that I'm looking at with this uh, is maybe, maybe super obvious. There's probably a card I'm missing somewhere. Um, but I'm thinking uh, Praetorian Commander. Mm-hmm. So when you're buffing them in the, hand, uh, in the hand, that's pretty tough. Now, we do know we're getting some hand buff stuff. We've already seen one of them. Yes. Ostensibly, we're going to see more because I don't know why you would introduce some whole kind of strategy around buffing things in your hand without This will be the third one. Right. Um you know, so Praetorian Commander is uh, pretty pretty obvious, but it's hard to pull off. If you draw this before getting the Praetorian Commander, um, you know, then, then you're looking at, like, well, it's a five-mana, one-three draw card, which is, is terrible. Bad. It's, really, it's bad. really, really bad. Yeah, and so it's, it becomes a situation of this card is only as good as how easy it is to buff things in hand. So what buffs things in hand besides Praetorian Commander? Rally. Mm-hmm. Rally, and, and, and then board effects that are going to buff it one When it comes in. Right, right, right yeah. sure, sure. Mm-hmm. So, so like uh, uh, Orc Clan Captain, Fifth Legion Trainer, Divine, Divine Forever. Forever, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And there are situations where you get two of those out. You know, mm-hmm. But most of the time, you're going to have exactly one of those out. You know, I mean, listen, I play a lot of Ambitious Hireling. Okay, when I play Token Crusader, I play Ambitious Hireling. The reason I play Ambitious Hireling is I like the ability to trick trades. And between Orcline Captain, Divine Fervor, and Fifth Legion Trainer, in a 50-card deck, I am likely being able to hand out plus two, plus two to anything I want on the turn it comes down for two, and it has a body, which, of course, gets buffed as well. I love Ambitious Hireling. Um, in a similar fashion, I think the Ambitious, uh, or whatever, the Emperor's Attendant, which is basically hand buff hireling, right? Yeah, sure. Is, has promise. The issue is it's not immediate value. It's delayed value, which we know struggles in a game with so much um, powerful statted creatures with also summon effects, right, that have immediate value. And going tall, not as good. We've talked about this, right? So for me, it's... It's going to be a card similar to a lot of the cards you've seen, which is probably a good thing for now, um, that it's only as good as the niche decks that build around it. This is a kind of a build-around card. You want the high payoff, but mm-hmm. you have to put the work in, or else it's just not worth playing. Is this card, if this card read, consistently read, five mana, two, four, draw two cards? Does that C play... Now, purple and green, maybe not, because green has a lot of draw. But if you're playing purple and something else, because purple historically has not had a ton of draw. That's been one of the problems in purple, is it hasn't always had a lot of really good, reliable draw options. This is a reliable draw option if you can consistently play five mana, two, four, draw two cards. I I think that if five mana, two, four, draw two cards, if you could pull that off consistently, that might be playable. The issue is flexibility, so that card does nothing for you if you're behind on board. If you're getting face-raced, you never want this card, because you already have a ton of cards, because you're getting runes, right? That's true. This is purely a control breaker. 
Mm-hmm. That's what this card is. It is a control breaker. So Which purple but, fairly already has a lot of control breakers. Well, and yeah, and so you're looking at, um, I mean, card draws different. So in Doral Mastermind Softplay for a millennia, okay, um, and that was a three cost that would draw a card and discard a card. So mm-hmm. it was didn't get you as many cards, but it did thin your deck. Okay, now I don't think in Doral Mastermind units are getting nerfed, but we can see what a three mana was it two one three mana two one draw one card does not see play mm-hmm. right so a five mana one three draw one card will not see play unless you can Absolutely always not. right mm-hmm. and frankly the competition of it let's say it let's say you can reliably give it uh plus one plus one let's say you can do that reliably and you're never worried that it's going to be a one three because you can almost always give it uh plus one plus one at minimum uh it still is a less flexible queen's captain Yes. Okay. Queen's Captain comes down on eight, right? Yeah, but but like it, but it has returning value because you know it it can either kill or it can this can mm-hmm. never kill. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I don't know. You're right. I don't know that this. I want to believe in this card. I, you know, where does <laughs> where does this card find play? It finds play in my um my support skeleton deck that doesn't have a lot of card draw and runs divine fervors. Um, that's that's where it's. <laughs> And runs necromancers, and I'm gonna play it in there because if I need card draw, I'm gonna necromance, and if I need creatures on the board, I'm gonna necromance or something else. Oh, I'm gonna play it in there. You, but it, you're it's totally right there. about it being a nice little necromancer uh, target, right? Um, and it does fit the undead synergies, right? Because it's a spirit. You could mm-hmm. tutor it with Wake the Dead. It's just unfortunate Wake the Dead doesn't hand over an attack point instead of a defense point. Um, yeah, and if you Galen one of these, and then you could oh, tutor Galen out. makes this card great. Yeah, like if you Galen, if you Galen this, and then and then you ran those tutors to go find the Galen copies, like that does make it that does make Galening oh. this a little bit better. You know what? You know what? I think we're we might be evaluating this card incorrectly. I think this card is never more than one copy. Mm-hmm. This is a strictly one copy card in a deck that runs fervor, mm. and because and because that deck. Also wants to run Galen. Mm-hmm. And if you have any effect, let's say like Merchant's Camel, like um, Discerning Thief, you discard it, right? Mm-hmm. But if you ever have this and Galen in the hand at the same time, especially early, it's great. I think this card it gets way better when you only run one copy and you don't have to worry about it breaking your hand with two or three copies. Yes. So yeah, this is a three copy. And with that perspective, it becomes a different animal. I mean, there's plenty of cards that you run one copies of because it has the chance to be amazing. Yes, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but you don't want to have you don't want to have multiple of them because you don't ever want to have more than one in your hand. Yeah, or more than one ever in a game. <laughs> yeah. So is this is this more like um, it's like a tech card for decks that just need to be able to occasionally replenish their hand? Yeah, totally. And I think it's a tech card in decks that have a lot of um in any purple deck, any spell sword based deck. So any deck that has a spell sword base, so uh tribunal that wants to go with tokens, empire that wants to go with tokens, mm. Rhetoran that wants to go with tokens, you know, whatever. I think there's an argument to put a single copy in here. You're already gonna run Galen probably, especially if you're maybe not aggro tokens, but like a more mid rangey tokens. Or really, even if you're in control, even if you're in control with this, let's say you're on conscription, a yellow, a spell sword conscription can run fifth legion. 
And, mm -hmm. and if you're running this, maybe you do run the fifth legion. You yeah. Know? Mm -hmm. This thing definitely needs to be buffed. I think that you're right. This isn't a three of. This isn't like a staple. But if you can create a deck that's going to be able to use it and consistently get two or three cards off of it to replenish your hand, it's cool. It's a really cool card. Yeah. Now, see, now that I, now I think I start playing around with a, a one buy of this. I think I start playing around with a one buy of this and mm -hmm. anything that's running three divine fervors and her. So spell sword. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, hey, that's our card reveal. That's our thoughts on the card reveal. Um, that's uh, that's probably going to about wrap it up for this episode. This is a long one, and uh, we're really excited for the Jaws of Oblivion to be coming out, and we're going to be recording uh, next week on release day, and uh, hopefully we'll be live. Maybe we'll be live. Maybe we won't be, but hopefully yeah, we'll gonna be live. On that, yeah. We're going to try to be at live at 9 p.m. EST on Tuesday night. About 9 p.m. EST Tuesday night, we're going to fight to be alive to be um, talking about um, uh, the Jaws of Oblivion and, and what we've experienced on day one of release, if we've had some time and an opportunity to open some packs and play it. Um, so, yeah. So, DBN, how can people get connected with you and the material that you're putting out there for both uh, Elder Scrolls Legends and Mythgard now? Yeah, so um, twitch.tv slash deadbrokenerd. Uh, that is my Twitch spot on my twitch channel um you can also check me out on youtube which i've been putting a lot of effort into um and post at least three videos every single week guaranteed um with at least one of them will be tesla so usually more uh, usually about two or three tesla videos it's just because that's what i play the most of um but you can check that out as well uh at dead broke nerd easy to remember uh on on youtube um and of course feel free guys if, if you have a, a deck you want me to try or you know you're like hey can you experiment with this the, with this card or something like that i love building decks it's mostly what i do on streams just build around build new weird things right um so feel free to feel free to comment i also want to go ahead and, and say at this point um i do have uh my own card reveal for my uh yeah, twitch yeah. channel and my youtube um that is scheduled for Sunday. Um, I do not know what time yet. I'm waiting on my work schedule to find out what time I'm going to at least uh, stream for a bit uh, to show off that card reveal. Uh, by the way, guys, I, I don't know if CVH put any thought or time into which card, but it certainly feels like he did because I love this card. Okay, I, Seriously, it's probably top five favorite cards from this set. Uh, for me, uh, actually, definitely top five favorite cards, maybe number one. So I'm it's very, very excited. Mana, it's 12 mana, summon three hollow death priests. Uh, it's uh, it's triple transmogrify. <laughs> <Yeah>. No, uh, <laughs> no, it's really fun, and it kind of is a really interesting card to think about. Um, so I, I'm really excited to show you guys that. Again, it's going to be Sunday the 6th, I believe. Uh, and so I will have more information about that on um, my Twitter, and I will probably go ahead and put it on the Legends Cast Twitter uh as well once i uh, once i have that hammered down so hopefully you guys will uh hopefully you guys will join me for that yeah if you're looking to get connected with us uh feel free to email us at eslegendscast at gmail.com join the discord server by googling legendscast discord um follow us on twitter at legendscast 
Uh, you can fi- friend request me on game. I'm uh, on the Tessel. I'm the one, one, three lift. Um, and if you need someone to listen to you or pray for you, you need some support. Our community is really great for that. I'm a pastor outside of this. And so it's my heart to continue to support the community with a listening ear and prayer. So email me or send me a friend request on the game. Um, reach out to me. I'm, uh, you're never alone. And I'm always here to, you know, listen to people and, and to also talk about the game. And so we have a really great community. I'll say this. I think I saw some statistics at the back end of our discord in the last 30 days. There's almost been 4,000 messages sent in our discord and it's a pretty, tiny discord i don't know if that's good or not i have no idea but beefquake has done a ton of work on it jethron has done a ton of work on it as well who's who's one of our new admins so definitely check it out because it's worth popping in there even it just creeping i want to rec- uh, also recognize a uh, night owl six big salty and will avon um i think that that's the uh, the new guys that we have, they're all three um, now patrons. Um, so that's the last thing. Visit our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com. Search for Legends Cast. If you see, find value in what me and DBN are doing, um, please go and, and consider giving value back. Uh, even you know, 25 cents an episode, a dollar a month goes a long way for us. If uh, if a big portion of our community started giving us a dollar a month, it would be huge. And neither of us are about to get rich off of Legends Cast. <laughs> but um, let me tell you, if it means that we're making a few dollars a month to uh, invest back into the game or invest in streamers or pay the bills, it makes a huge difference in terms of <laughs> encouraging us to get here on Tuesday night and record. Um, so if you, if you find encouragement and you enjoy what we're doing, then encourage us by considering going and supporting us for a dollar, two dollars, four dollars, five dollars a month. I'll, I'll, you know what? If you want to support us a thousand dollars a month, I'll let you do that. <laughs> um, if, if you find that much value in it, I'm not even going to argue with you. You can do it. Um, yeah, well, that's great. That, that's going to wrap up, I think, this episode of Legends Cast. Uh, DBN, anything to say before we head out? Nah, just appreciate you guys listening out there. Of course, feel free to contact us. We, we really mean that. Um, we're, we're pretty chill, open guys who are, who are happy to just talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. I get people sending me lists all the time. Um, I know people are always messaging uh, Mark about things. So uh, it, we, when we say feel free to reach out, we mean it. Yeah, we genuinely want to be engaged. I mean, I'm in, the, I'm in the Discord. I read everything that comes through our Discord. Every single comment that comes through our Discord, I read all of it. I respond to the vast majority of it. it it's I'm constantly engaged in there. DBN's engaged, engaged in there. Many of our previous guests have been engaged in there. And I think I can, I think I can safely say this now. But in the next couple of episodes, we're gonna have uh, CVH back on the show. And so uh, he's he emailed me today and confirmed that in the next handful of episodes he's going to make it work to get back on the show i'd love to get him on next week we'll see if that happens we'll announce it if cvh is coming on the show live next week on dbn's channel we'll be sure to announce that in our discord and on our twitter so make sure that you check in there for that news because you won't want to miss that you're going to hear us asking questions of cvh and talking about the jaws of oblivion expansion either this week or in the next couple weeks um that's going to wrap up this episode of legends gas thanks for listening to us and be sure to come back and listen again next week Thanks for listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of Elder Scrolls Legends. If you want to support Legends Cast, you can always leave us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, or you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash legendscast. Be sure to come back next week and make sure that you check out our sponsor, both Inked Gaming and Team Rankstar at teamrankstar.com.